Why is there so much hypocrisy in Christianity? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked. In fact, it's not even really a question. It is a statement of fact. Jesus is being misrepresented on a massive level. I'm talking about mega churches, famous pastors, and we're going to blow the whistle on the whole thing here today. We are going to say what Jesus says, because this is the Why You Need Jesus podcast. A hypocrite is someone who claims to be one thing and is actually another. And if you think there's a lot of hypocrites in Christianity, at least in America, that's 100% correct. There are a lot of people who claim to live for Jesus, but the way they actually live is something different. But here's the thing you got to know. Jesus is not a hypocrite. Jesus is exactly who he claimed to be. And this is why everyone should be a Christian, because Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. It's clear. That's what he was saying, that he was one with the Father. It was so clear that that's why his enemies, the religious Jewish leaders of the day, that why they killed Jesus was his claim to be the Son of God. And Jesus claimed that he was going to suffer and die at the hand of these religious leaders, and on the third day, he would rise. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He died on the cross for your sin, and then he rose from the dead so that you could have a new and eternal life. And he proved that he really was the Son of God. And there were over 500 eyewitnesses To his resurrection, there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that you can read about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he is exactly who he claimed to be. Jesus is the real deal son of God, and that's why we should believe in him. But here's the problem is we're not representing Jesus the way that he represented himself. When he called people to follow him, we would use the phrase to be a Christian today. But when he called people to be one of his disciples, there was a word that Jesus used that you are rarely even here in the church today. And the word is repent. In fact, this is the whole summary of Jesus' teaching when he began his preaching in Matthew 4, 17. It says that Jesus preached, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So there's a one-line statement summarizing what Jesus was teaching. And really it comes down to the first word, repent. Change your mind. That's what the Greek word metanoia means. Change your mind. It's often associated with this idea of turning. A turnaround. Turning from one thing to another thing. That's what our you and why you need Jesus is all about. The you is the U-turn that you need to do if you're going to follow Jesus. You need to repent. So literally, Jesus is calling people, if they're going to follow him, he's saying, change. He's he's calling out hypocrisy from the get-go. 
upfront, in their face, he's saying there has to be a change in your mind. There has to be a turnaround. You need to turn if you're going to follow me. That's what Jesus is saying. That's his message. You want to be in the kingdom of heaven? You want to be in a relationship with God? You want to go to where I'm going to be after you die in paradise? Change, turn, repent. This is the message of Jesus Christ. And it wasn't even just Jesus who was saying this message. All right, before Jesus, there was John the Baptist, the forerunner, the voice in the wilderness. And he says, both in Matthew 3 and Luke 3, he is crying out, repent. He's calling people to turn, to change, and they need to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Now, if you hear somebody use the word repent today, it has such a negative stereotype right now. Repent is like the guy on the street corner that nobody wants to listen to, who's accosting people, who's raising his voice and shouting, saying bad things about people, trying to get them to listen to him, but people just keep passing on by. They don't want to hear it. And he's shouting stuff like, repent, the end is near, turn before you burn. Okay, that negative stereotype today, that is not how John the Baptist was at all. People were leaving the street corners and going out into the desert because they wanted to hear what John the Baptist had to say. And this was the summary of his message. So the problem is, if you go listen to a lot of the famous preachers in America right now, a lot of the biggest churches in America right now, maybe you'll hear them talk about repentance somewhere in what they say, but they're not leading with it like Jesus. They're not calling people to respond. They're not saying, if you want to be a Christian, you need to change. The people who are saying it seem eccentric. They seem like they're out there and nobody's listening to them. And so this message of repentance that is like a main theme throughout the ministry of Jesus and even the disciples as they continue building the church of Jesus, I mean, they're calling people to repent all the time. And yet you would rarely ever hear it preached in America today. That's why we're not even giving the right message. Like in the book of Acts, if you go through it, when they started really preaching the good news of Jesus, Peter, he preaches the first sermon of the church in Acts chapter 2. 3,000 people get saved. And he's preaching and he's like, Jesus, he's the Christ. He's the holy and anointed one of God. And he's getting his pointy finger out. You killed Jesus. And they know they crucified him on that cross. But he's like, but God raised him from the dead, and we are all witnesses. We've seen him resurrected from the dead. And the people there in Jerusalem, they are cut to the heart when they hear this message of Jesus. And they say, brothers, what shall we do? And the first word out of Peter's mouth is repent. And get baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. You got to change your mind. You got to turn around. You need a U-turn if you're going to follow Jesus. You can't follow Jesus and keep living the same way you were before. You have to change if you're going to be a Christian. This is the message of the church. You could follow it throughout the book of Acts. Eventually, 
Paul's the one preaching, and he's even saying things in Acts 17, like God has commanded all people everywhere to repent. So this is mandatory for every human being. This is not just for the hardcore Christian. If anybody wants to escape judgment, if anybody wants to have life after death in Jesus Christ, they have to repent. This is a mandatory command from heaven to earth. And this is how Jesus talked about it. And in Matthew 11, he, he said, woe to cities like they were going to be judged Cities where he did his teachings and his miracles around the Sea of Galilee were going to experience judgment because they did not repent. There was no change. In Luke 13, when there were current events happening where people were dying and they came to ask Jesus about these, these big events that had happened there in Israel where people died, what do you think about these people dying? And Jesus says, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Everyone is on their way down towards death, towards judgment in hell, and you, this is what our you is for, you have to have a turnaround where you repent, you change, and Jesus saves you, and he lifts you up, rising with him to a new life where you are now ascending towards heaven and a relationship with God forever. There has to be a dramatic, radical turnaround if you're going to be a Christian. John the Baptist is saying it. Jesus is saying it. The apostles are saying it. So how come so few Christians today are saying it? This is a fundamental problem with Christianity in America. This is why there's so much hypocrisy is we've changed the message. We're not using the same word that they used. When the church of Jesus Christ got started, that all people everywhere need to repent. Even if you study critical moments in church history, you will see the importance of repentance. For example, one, one moment that a lot of people refer to is the Reformation with this man named Martin Luther. Maybe you've heard a lot of Christians talking about this, this protest that Martin Luther had against the Roman Catholic Church. And the point that Martin Luther was making, you, you hear about all the time, people summarizing his argument, which was that we are saved by faith, not in any work that we do, but by faith in the work that Jesus has already done. And he's calling out the Roman Catholic Church. He's protesting against them because they are making it about works that people can do, like through the selling of indulgences, and they can buy things basically buying their salvation through works that they do. And he's saying, no, this is based on the work that Jesus did. This is based on him dying to pay for our sin, on him rising from the dead to give us new life. We trust not in anything that we do. We trust in the finished work of Jesus. Now, what I don't hear a lot of people saying about Martin Luther when he's nailing his 95 theses to the Wittenberg door there in protest, 95 theses he's got of what's wrong there. The first three are a call to repent. You don't hear people talking about that. You go read the 95 theses, there it is. We need to change. We need to turn. 
So a lot of people refer to Martin Luther and the Reformation as a big change, but even when they talk about it, they don't use the word that calls us all to change. So why is this word not being used in the megachurches by the famous pastors when there's stadiums full of people? Why are we not leading with up front in your face? Here's what Jesus, John the Baptist, the apostles, and famous people from church history all said, repent. Why aren't we saying it today? See, today it has become a little bit confused. What people are usually doing about their sin in their life about the things that need to be turned around is they are confessing them. And, and confessing your sin is definitely a good thing. But, but what happens is people feel bad about their sin, so they want to confess their sin. And there's a beautiful promise throughout the Bible that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and he forgives us of our sins. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. I mean, this is one of the precious things about our relationship with God. If we go to God and we're honest about our sin, we agree with God about our sin, he forgives us for our sin. So this is what a lot of people do. They have sin in their life. They feel bad about it. They want to confess it. And when they confess it, they know God will forgive them and they feel good about it. The problem is there hasn't really been repentance in that. Maybe there hasn't really been a change of mind. Why did I even do that sin? I need to turn away from that sin. I need to turn to what God would command me to do instead, to living out the righteousness of Jesus Christ in my life. There needs to be a real change in the way I'm even acting or thinking, going towards that sin so I don't do it again. See, a lot of people are confessing their sin, trying to feel better about it, and then it's only a matter of time till the process is repeated because there has been no real repentance. And this is being missed. And so people are going through this process of confessing sin, but it's like a, it's like a repeated cycle of confessing it, falling back into it, doing it again, feeling bad about it. But where is the change? Where is the turn that Jesus is calling for? So confession is a part of repentance, but repentance involves the turning from that sin to the way that God would want us to think and live that is different. Now, 2 Corinthians 7, 10 to 11 is a great definition of repentance. So if you're listening to this podcast, you might want to write down or look up as soon as you're done, 2 Corinthians 7, 10 to 11, because this is a great definition of what repentance is going to be like in somebody's life. And there's other good definitions throughout the scripture, like Acts 26, 20 says we need to repent and turn to God and prove our repentance through our deeds, through what we do. Like there's going to be evidence of a changed life. It's going to be clear we're going in a new direction. But 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 10 to 11 really describe how everyone is going to feel bad about their sin. Feeling bad about your sin does not mean you're dealing with it the right way. No, all kinds of people are going to feel bad about it, especially if you know that Jesus had to die for your sin. Especially if you realize that things that you do, Jesus got judged for on the cross. He had to take the wrath 
the punishment from God for your sin. So then you're going to think, oh, I don't want to do that because look at how Jesus had to pay for that. You're going to feel bad about it. But look at what 2 Corinthians 7, 10 to 11 say. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. So there's two types of grief, two types of sorry, you could say. You feel sorry that you sinned, you want to confess it. Well, there's a worldly sorrow, and you're still on the path to death. You're still caught up in the cycle of that sin. Yeah, you feel bad about it. You hope God will forgive you for it, but you're still doing it. There's no change or or turnaround from it. But then there's this godly sorrow where you really see how your sin offends God. You really see how your sin costs Jesus his precious blood. And so that godly sorrow produces a real change of mind, a real turnaround in your thinking, and it leads you to salvation, a new way of life where there is no regret. Here's an example from the life of Jesus on the night before he died, when he is betrayed by one of his disciples and Jesus is denied three times by his right-hand man. So Judas betrays him for 40 pieces of silver, tells the religious leaders where he's going to be in the Garden of Gethsemane, betrays him with a kiss. But then after he's arrested, while they're falsely accusing him, in the outer courts with the servants of the religious leaders, there's Peter. And some of the servants are like, hey, Peter, Weren't you one of the guys there with Jesus? And three different times, Peter denies that he knows Jesus before the rooster crows. Now, both Judas and Peter, they feel so bad about what they did. Judas, he feels so bad about it that he gives the money back and he ends up hanging himself. See, that is the worldly sorrow that leads to death. He he is very sorry about what he did, but there's no change. There's no turn. There's no story of the salvation of Judas going back on the right track to follow Jesus. Peter, on the other hand, Jesus prayed that Peter would repent. Jesus talked to Peter three times, asking him, do you love me? Will you feed my sheep? And then Peter, instead of denying Jesus, he goes straight to those religious leaders when he's on trial for speaking in the name of Jesus all over Jerusalem. He stands in front of the same religious leaders that Jesus stood in front of, that same court. And he says there is only one name given among men under heaven by which anyone can be saved, and his name is Jesus Christ. He goes boldly to acknowledge Jesus in front of the men who killed Jesus. Now that's repentance. It's a real change, a change that everyone can see. There was Peter who denied Jesus and said a lot of foolish things. And then in the book of Acts, we've got this Peter who is bold in the name of Jesus Christ to acknowledge him before men, not afraid of what people are going to do to him because he is going to represent Jesus. And he's calling people to repent. So there's two types of sorrow that you can see there in Judas and Peter. They both feel bad about what they did to Jesus. And if you know that you have sinned and you know that Jesus died for your sin, you should feel bad about Jesus. But does that lead to repentance? Is it a real godly sorrow where you have a change of mind and you turn from one way to another way? 
that is what this passage is describing. 2 Corinthians 7, 10, and 11. Here's verse 11. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point, you have proved yourselves innocent in the matter. That's the heart of repentance. I'm righteously angry at myself. I can't believe what I was doing. I'm, I'm thinking differently. I'm not just saying to God, I'm sorry. I'm seeing it now from God's perspective. I'm seeing how sorry that sin really was before God and how that sin cost Jesus. And I'm saying, I I am so frustrated that I was like that. I've got to go prove a different way. I've got to go clear myself so no one thinks I'm like that anymore. I'm going to live differently from this day forward. Now that I can see that sin for what it is, I'm going to go and live a new way in Jesus Christ. That's repentance. Every legitimate pastor should be preaching that at his church. Every Christian should be talking about that with other people. If you are a Christian, you have a story about how your life changed, how that you made a turn. That's the message of Jesus. It's a message that confronts hypocrisy by calling for change from the get-go, from the first word, to repent. Now, a lot of people today, when you start talking about repentance, they're going to say, well, this sounds like you're talking about a work. This sounds like you're talking about us changing ourselves by our own willpower, where we kind of behavior modification, stop doing the bad thing, start doing the good thing. I got to tell you, that is not how the Bible talks about repentance at all. If you read about repentance in the book of Acts, it's very clear that God grants repentance. This is a turnaround that God is working in your life. The Bible talks about this. It calls people to act. It calls people to repent, but it talks about it like it is a work that God does, like it is a gift of grace that God grants to people that they are able from the inside out to really change their life. In fact, Romans chapter 2 says it is the kindness of our God that leads us to repentance. God is patient with us when we are in our sin. God is gracious to us to give us the gospel of Jesus, and that's really where the power to change comes from is in the good news that Jesus died to pay for all of that sin so you don't have to keep living in it. And Jesus rose from the dead so there is a power to live a new way of obedience. Repentance and faith are in no contradiction with one another. In fact, in the Bible, they are often coupled together as the response to the gospel of Jesus. For example, in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus says, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So the gospel is the good news that Jesus died and rose again. I'm not trusting in myself to change. I'm trusting that because Jesus humbled himself to the point of obedience, even death on a cross, and because Jesus rose from the dead, that is because I'm trusting in the finished work that Jesus did, that's how I'm going to change. 
That's how you are going to make a U-turn is through your faith in the gospel of Jesus. And so that's the power of repentance is in the name of Jesus. And this is what Jesus said at the end of the gospel of Luke. He's there with his disciples. He's risen from the dead. They're all seeing him with their eyes. And he's saying, guys, I am the Christ. I am the one that all of the Bible has been about. And I'm sending you out now. And this is the message that every single living soul on planet earth needs to hear repentance and forgiveness of sins in the name of Jesus should be proclaimed to all nations. That's what Jesus says in Luke 24, 47, that everyone needs to hear the call to change their mind, to turn around. And if they do, it's good news because they will experience forgiveness for all of their sins. And in the name of Jesus, there is salvation. There is a new life. By his power, they will really be able to change. And this is for everyone, everywhere that God has commanded all people to repent. And so if you want to do something, about the hypocrisy problem that we have in Christianity. First thing you should do is make sure you're not a hypocrite yourself. Make sure you are who you claim to be in Jesus Christ. The world has always been full of hypocrites. The goal is to make sure that you are not one of them because you have repented. You can see a change in your life. It's evident to everyone that there is a new direction you are going in because of Jesus. And then if you have that change, we need to go in the name of Jesus. And we need to say exactly what Jesus said, that God right now is being patient. And in his grace, he is giving people an opportunity. And that now is the time. Heaven is right there like they could reach out and grab it. That everyone needs to hear today, there is good news that because of Jesus, you can repent. Repent.